everyone, and welcome back to the Going Coastal podcast, the podcast of the Students and New Professionals chapter of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association, hosted by the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, Marissa Torres. And I'm one of your other co-hosts, John Miller. And on this episode, we will be talking about the upcoming ASBPA National Coastal Conference, which will be taking place later this month, September 28th through October 1st. And with us, we have two veteran ASBPA conference goers and organizers, Mr. Gordon Thompson from WF Baird and Associates, and Dr. Katie Bruchet from the Army Corps of Engineers, Engineer Research and Development Center. Thank you both so much for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so why don't we kick things off with, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so Gordon, what is your uh, position at Baird? Um, what's your position within ASPPA, if you have one? Sure. I'm a coastal engineer and associate principal at Baird, I'm mostly focusing on beach nourishment and marsh restoration projects, coastal, coastal restoration. I'm a vice president of ASBPA focused on members and chapters. And I am the uh, program manager for the regional sediment management program at the core, as well as the associate technical director for navigation. Um, and in, in my side job, I do some research on dredging and beneficial use of dredged material. Uh, for ASBPA, I've been a part of the organization since I was in grad school. Um, and I am currently a member of the board of directors and also co-chair for this conference. Nice. You guys wear a lot of hats. You guys stay pretty busy, I'm sure. How long have you guys uh, yeah. oh, how long have you guys uh, been in those uh, or how long have you been with ASBPA or in those positions within ASBPA? I think I've been with ASBPA. I think I started my first year of grad school, so 2009, uh, when we were at St. Petersburg for the National Coastal Conference. Um, and I've, I've been in my, my, um, the board position, I believe, for about two years now. So Katie, I think I, I must have met you uh, at that St. Petersburg conference for the first time. Uh, I think you were one of the founding original members of the SMP chapter. Is that correct? Yes, yes, actually. And I, I think that may have come out of that uh, conference even. I think Tiffany Roberts Briggs and I uh, sort of started the SNP chapter after that, or sorry, the SNP uh, group after that um, conference, and it later became a chapter. So it's great. Great to see all the growth. Yeah, and I know I know some of my students were were involved with that early on. So I, I congratulate you uh, for taking that initiative because I know it hasn't been an easy journey, but lots of work. But uh, you know, certainly for my own students, I feel like it's been a very beneficial um, addition to uh, ASBPA. Well, that's great to hear, and I appreciate the kudos. And I, I'm just going to throw the kudos right back out to the folks that have sort of kept it going. But even better than that, they've kept it growing even. So um, I, I really commend all the folks that are in the SMP chapter now. Um, we've done. There's been a lot of really cool updates, including this podcast. So that's that's awesome. And Gordon, I know you've been involved for quite some time as well. Uh, as long as I've been involved on the, on the board of directors at ASBPA. So how long have you been uh, participating? I've been attending ASBPA conferences since about 2000 and uh, just kind of steadily worked my way through and within the organization um, from attending conferences to moderating the conferences. Um, this will be my third time chairing one of the conferences in New Orleans. So pretty excited about uh, the lineup and the growth that we've seen over the years. And so just kind of work my, work my way through the organization. Uh, lots of great people to have learned from and um, just a really fun group to be involved with. Nice. We're so lucky to have you, ASBPA, SNP, everybody participating um, so with that, I just wanted to elaborate on a few things, maybe for folks who are unfamiliar with um, ASBPA as an organization. Um, we had mentioned a few buzzwords like the ASBPA board and membership and chapters. So what really are all, all of those things? So like, how does ASBPA work and, and how is it structured? Uh, ASBPA is completely a membership organization. If you attend a conference, you're a member. 
Um, it is about 95 years old. So the oldest um, organization focusing on uh, coastal challenges. And um, for, for structure purposes, we have the, the overarching um, organization. That, so the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association. And then we have several chapters. So we have um, the Texas chapter, the Gulf Coast chapter, uh, Hawaii, Northeast, Great Lakes. Uh, so really spread around around the country. The intent of the chapters is that we have a more localized group that's really focused on the challenges specific to that area. And then with that, they can bring that back to the, the national level and we can compare what challenges we're looking at and then raise that again at a national level. And then I would just add to that within the organization, there are several committees. I'm, I, I know I'm going to miss some, but uh, uh, the Science and Technology Committee, the Government Affairs Committee, uh, the various steering committees for the conferences that we run and host. Um, and, and those are on a volunteer basis and they, they help us to keep the uh, organization running. So for example, the Science and Technology Committee, often they produce white papers that have specific interests to ASBPA. Um, and for example, the Government Affairs Committee, they often do a lot of interfacing with Congress and other elected officials to, to sort of push ASBPA's mission forward. And I think my favorite bit of ASBPA history is that started in New Jersey, like all great things. You would say that, wouldn't you, John? <laughs> one, one other critical element of ASBPA is the Shore and Beach magazine. And if you've ever had a chance to pick it up, I know many students, that's almost their first foray into what do coastal consultants do? Uh, I know that was one of the elements for me. Uh, but it's a great magazine highlighting the latest and greatest in coastal research and, and projects around the country. So all of these collective things, these these regional slash localized chapters all focus on their specific areas and come back to this national coastal conference towards these national committees and everything to address all of our coastal needs and coastal problems. Um, so we have all of these individual parts, um, but what really is the uh, underlying purpose or mission of, of these individual parts coming together at the national level? The overarching goal of ASBPA is really to merge science and policy. That is where ASBPA's true strength lies in that uh, we like to be at the cutting edge of what's going on within the coastal realm and then be able to explain that uh, to the general public as well as to policymakers so that we can achieve the, the overarching goals of, of where we can take our coast and, and how do we face the latest challenges. And I'll just, you know, say that I think from my perspective as a faculty member that sends students to conferences, I find that to be one of the strengths of the organization and the national ASBPA conference in that I send students and they get that perspective. They get a very well-rounded look at coastal engineering, coastal processes, the science side, the policy side, the consulting side, the academic side. And I think it's been really valuable in helping some of my students make up their minds as to where eventually they wanted to end up. Yeah, that's very important. Um, exposure to conferences is something that maybe not a lot of students get a chance to do, uh, but I definitely, um, you know, I never got a chance to attend ASPPA as a student, but as a professional, I've certainly appreciated it. Um, just experiencing that whole community, meeting everybody, getting exposure to the academic side, the government side, the private sector, and all of these things. So with that, uh, we do have our National Coastal Conference coming up in New Orleans, Louisiana, Onola, uh, later this month. And I guess I'm wondering if you guys, both from the just general conference slash ASPPA perspective, and also from the students and new professionals perspective, what is it like attending an ASPPA conference? What can they expect uh, when going to a conference, and what would you, uh, any advice that you would give to either new or returning students or new professionals? So I, you know, one of the things that I really like about attending the ASBPA conference is um, 
the camaraderie and sort of the the kindness of the folks that attend. So as I mentioned, I started coming to ASBPA as a grad student, and I know that that can be sort of intimidating to walk into a room of a lot of different professionals and and how do you spark conversations, but everyone is so warm and welcoming at this, at this conference that it really enables you to even um, walk up to some of the the professors and the people that you recognize from famous papers that you may have read while you're studying for your comprehensive exams or anything along those lines, um, you know, and, and empower, it empowers you to be able to talk to those people without getting nervous. And that's one of the things that I really love about this conference, in addition to the fact that you're going to hear some really great technical talks. We're going to hear some really great opening plenary discussion um, and and all sorts of other after-hours networking type of activities. My suggestion would be don't be shy. Go up, say hello. As Katie indicated, everybody's super welcoming. Uh, The second suggestion I had for students is bring your resume. There are a lot of coastal consultants and uh, that are that are present, and it's always very impressive when a student comes up to you, strikes up a conversation, and you know you kind of look at this and go, "Is is this somebody that could fit into our organization?" And often the question will come out, "Hey, did you bring a resume?" And it's uh, it's a very easy place to to meet people, and frankly, to meet a lot of people in one location. That's why we have conferences that we get to. Uh, get together. Obviously, we missed that last year, but we get to to, to come together, um, meet each other and enjoy a beer. That, that, that's great advice. Um, I, one of my students actually used ASBPA and managed to talk herself into a summer job in Hawaii, uh, exactly the way that Gordon just mentioned. So uh, yeah, don't be shy go up and talk to people. I think, you know, certainly one of the things that I appreciate about ASBPA is that it is a very approachable uh, group of people uh, from first-time conference attendees all the way up to the board of directors. One of my first experiences was uh, attending an ASBPA conference out in Portland. And I can distinctly remember sitting in the back of a van riding out to a field trip uh, with Brad Pickle, our current managing, uh, one of our managing directors. Um, so you never know who you're going to meet. Um, and it's, it's just a great experience overall. Um, you know, one of the, I've had the experience of going to conferences in New Orleans before and ASBPA conferences. So, um, you know, maybe what what is what's going to make this special? What what's what's special about New Orleans? I always find it that I have a great time there. But uh, you know, what, what's special about the this the local venue this time? Uh, New Orleans is always a fun conference. Um, obviously, Bourbon Street's a draw. However, I'll say the student new professionals uh, I've done a great job the last time around with the scavenger hunt. That was a just a tremendous event, and in making some phone calls this year. Uh, several people asked, hey, are we having the scavenger hunt this year? And I said, absolutely. So it's something that everybody looks forward to. That's going to be Thursday evening. Um, great time to to mix and talk to new people and, uh, and frankly, explore New Orleans in a completely different way. So I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. And I would just say that uh... New Orleans itself as a city is also very warm and welcoming. Um, It's obviously a a huge tourist hotspot and they know it and they're good at it. (laughs) So you'll always have a good time in New Orleans. Um, And, you know, I, I know with the, with the recent hurricane rolling through, there are some questions about that, but it's a very resilient city. Um, So certainly our, our thoughts and our hearts are with New Orleans, but uh, we are already seeing them bouncing back um, and recovering from that. So we're we're pretty confident that the French Quarter will be back and running by the time um, we are are at the conference. So that's great. And then I just wanted to add to what uh, Gordon said about the scavenger hunt. Uh, prior to the scavenger hunt, there will be um, our annual student and new professional mixer. Um, uh, at the Mark Twain Courtyard. Um, and so that's another really great opportunity to meet some other folks because it's the S&P mixer, but a lot of times some of the more seasoned professionals, if you will, <laughs> um, also attend um, and chat with the students. And it's a really uh, low-key, laid-back way to meet a lot of folks that are attending. Man, I wish I could go. Um, with everything amid this this whole global pandemic situation, um, I do know that this 
this particular conference will be a hybrid in-person and remote environment. So I'm wondering, um, I guess, from the organizational perspective, what are some of the accomplishments and challenges that you guys have faced or overcome with organizing such an event during this whole thing? Well, I got to give a shout out to Annie Mercer for this one. She's she's sort of the head of the technology. I know that's not her actual title. Gordon can correct me on that. But she is sort of leading um, all of the technology wonders that we'll have going on at this conference and has put a lot of, of effort into making sure that it runs smoothly because of the fact that we're hybrid. Um, Hybrid is is definitely complicated. So if you just think about simple things like asking questions to the speaker, um, you know, uh, it's it adds a little bit of complication. But I think it also is a really um, neat way to give us a little bit more flexibility. Um, I think if nothing else, COVID has shown us that we can be adaptive and flexible with things like conferences and meetings and all of and all of the things that come with uh, this type of work. So um, I, I just think that it's, it's sure it's an extra challenge, but I think uh, we are rising to it. Um, and, and also we already did a fully virtual conference um, or two actually last year for the national coastal conference and the summit, they were both fully virtual. Um, and it was again slightly complicated, but I think we, Annie especially, but we really followed through on making those conference runs smoothly. So I have every confidence that we'll be able to do it for this one as well. And I just want to mention for those that might be attending in person, um, in case you haven't seen it, uh, New Orleans does have some rules uh, related to uh, COVID, and they're just sort of either that you have to show a vaccine card. Um, anywhere you go in New Orleans, or um, a, a negative PCR test within the last 72 hours. So if you are uh, planning to attend the conference, just have that in the back of your mind before you come to New Orleans. Excellent, Katie. Thanks so much for for pointing that out. That's definitely something for everybody to be particularly aware of. Um, so in the in the remote environment, um, what will be different from last year's remote environment to this year's conference? So we will be using the Whova app, which is going to be uh, available to those who are also attending the conference. So you can figure out where you want to go because there's a great lineup of, of different uh, presentations and Whova will uh, help keep you straight. It'll also help those who are attending virtually. We will have moderators that will be checking into the Whova app um, and so they can forward those questions on to the speakers. We will be having speakers both virtually as well as in person. And uh, so we're hoping and anticipate that the virtual and the, the real experience, the in-person experience uh, will both be, be highly positive. It's unfortunately for those who are intending uh, virtually, you're, you're gonna miss out on items such as the scavenger hunt and a lot of the, the breaks where you get to meet, meet a lot of folks. Um, but uh, saying that, there are still ways that you can reach out uh, to the various participants in the conference. Um, and we're, we're gonna try and integrate the virtual and in-person as much as we can. And I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a great uh, great way to approach things. I know this wasn't uh, necessarily the way that uh, anybody scoped this out when we originally started thinking about the, uh, the national conference, but um, you know, I think this idea of taking advantage of technology where, where, where it's available to us, um, you know, helps to keep participation, um, you know, up for people that, you know, can't travel for various reasons. I'm personally, I'm still hoping to attend and, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great experience, but I've also had the opportunity to participate virtually last year, uh, both in ASBPA conferences and several other conferences with the, the Whova app. And, um, you know, nothing replaces being there in person, but certainly uh, the app does a great job of uh, encouraging communication, encouraging participation. So um, I think it's a great choice for uh, for that virtual virtual aspect. I think it's, it's it's good to allow you know students and maybe some others that won't be able to travel to to still participate because it is such a, a valuable uh, conference. 
Yeah, and I'll just add, um, there's more information on the conference website on how to download the app um, and some user's guide and tutorials and things to look at before the conference starts. So you're all ready to go uh, by the time the conference comes around. So, you know, I've, I've always personally uh, found that 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 uh, conference experience to be uh, an extremely you know important part of my uh, my development as a graduate student, and then obviously now as a as a as a faculty member. Um, you know, can you, you talk just a little bit about um, you know maybe the role that attending conferences you know played in in your careers as kind of Gordon as as you moved into consulting um, or even as a starting consult starting in consulting engineering, and then you know obviously achieving where, where you're at now. Because um, uh, I, I, I do think that, you know, conferences play an extremely important uh, role in kind of developing us. I think conferences are great from really two perspectives. The first is seeing what others are doing. What's the, the latest thinking within the industry? Uh, how are people approaching different challenges? The second is the people side. And there's not a project that goes out on the street that we're not looking for team members. And we're looking for surveyors, geologists, biologists, engineers, landscape architects. Uh, you name it, we, we kind of run the gamut. And when you're developing a team to pursue a project, you naturally think of people that you know. And those people that you know, chances are you've met at a conference. And so you get to know these people well, and um, frankly, they become your friends and your colleagues, and, and you look forward to working with them. So those are the two bigger aspects I've found that have really helped me in my career. Yeah, I would totally agree with what Gordon said. For me, um, I actually use a lot of the connections that I made at ASBPA in my day-to-day. -day. Uh, in fact, actually, um, some of, I'm currently on a temporary detail assignment um, in my position where I'm actually the uh, navigation branch chief for the Savannah District for the Army Corps of Engineers. And I've actually gotten to interact with Brad Pickle um, in a completely different way than I usually do for ASBPA. So we got to, we're getting to work together on some of the work we're doing on the AIWW. Um, that's just a really specific example, but just, you know, making these connections in ASBPA at these conferences is always a great thing. You never know when um, having that connection is going to pop up again uh, later in your career. So um, it's a really important and useful and just awesome way to connect with people and make those, uh, make those, I mean, friendships, but also uh, uh, professional connections as well. And especially for students, I think we already mentioned it before, but it's a great way to start networking to, uh, for your, to look for jobs, right? And, and um, you never know who's going to pop up on an interview panel um, or at a different company that you didn't realize they were at and all of a sudden they're there and, and you're wanting to join. So um, those are all things that are really useful about this conference um, and, and ways that you can really advance your career. Um, by attending. So, so I've got a bit of a, I got a bit of a fun question here. So I think I mentioned my, my first conference that I attended as a grad student was uh, ASBPA many, many years ago. We won't mention exactly when um, out in Portland. And when I, when I was attending that conference, I, you know, specifically remember being uh, just absolutely nervous beyond belief to meet, you know, certain people that you, know, you think of as sort of, you know, the, you know, the, oh my God, these are the, you know, the, the greats of coastal engineering. And I remember going to that conference specifically being so intimidated to actually meet Bob Guza and Nick Krause. So I'm going to ask both of you, it doesn't have to be an ASBPA conference, but, you know, is there somebody that you, you, you met at a conference or had the opportunity to um, go up to and speak to that maybe had that same sort of intimidation? Because I can say when, when I met them actually in person, it was so different than what I had in my mind. I was so intimidated in my mind and then, you know, got to meet them and talk to them and, and realize that they're, they're just awesome people. And it was it's so different than what I had built it up to be. So I'm just curious if you ever had that moment. 100%. And it was Dr. Robert G. Dean, who is obviously, you know, 
sort of the grandfather of coastal engineering. And I remember seeing him and being so intimidated. And then I finally got the guts to go and talk to him. And he is was the the nicest person that that you would ever meet. And uh, just I, I actually got the opportunity to um, talk with him on several occasions. And then I was even further honored when he actually cited one of my papers in a, a book that he was writing, a chapter in a book that he was writing. So that was for me, like my like starry eyed moment. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I would say Dr. Dean as well. Um, I gave a presentation and at the end of it, there was dead silence and, and Dr. Dean in his usual, usual thoughtful way put his hand up and said, well, Gordon, what about that groin? And I, I was sitting there and I'm going, groin? I didn't discuss a groin. There's no groin in the, in the project. And I'm starting to sweat profusely, not sure what to say. And he says, yeah, the, the, the groin that you have there on your slide. And I, I looked at the slide and sure enough, there's a stretch of Cape Penelope and Beach. And there's a groin in the middle of it, but it was just our standard background that we'd used um, on the company background. So anyway, that was that was kind of interesting. So I could kind of hand wave through that one. The other one is Joan Pope. I had read so many of, of Joan's papers on breakwaters. And so I finally got to meet Joan Pope and I, I continue to make her blush and, and tell the story to today. And Joan is just the most wonderful down-to-earth person. She's also a vice president of ASBPA. And um, it, it was just one of those moments to understand the person behind who'd, who'd written all this really groundbreaking work on, on structured beach interactions. Amazing. I am like super impressed that you guys were able to meet these people and like, that's just awesome. So from what it sounds like, for anybody who may or may not be nervous about attending a conference, about meeting these famous people from either research papers or National Geographic segments, you know, wherever you find them, um, maybe your academic um, role models or so that it's okay be confident. You can talk to people, be empowered. We're all human here. We've all been through a similar experience at some point. So just have a sense of yourself and go get them. Go talk to these people. And one thing that Gordon did mention is a whole slew of different backgrounds or um, research interests that can that we're looking for that can be or that who are a part of this community in different ways. It's not just engineers. It's not just policymakers uh, or biologists, ecologists. Um, Gord mentioned landscape architects, and that was one that I hadn't previously considered. So any one of these folks, any one of you guys in either of those fields, as long as you have an interest in coastal-related activities, I think ASPPA might be a good avenue for you. Um, don't feel restricted. Don't feel uh, left out. Come one, come all. Uh, we're all here to save our coastlines because we care about the planet. One thing I might add, Marissa, is student posters and posters in general. There are many folks who at first might feel intimidated by doing a, a presentation. And a poster is a good way to dip your toe in the water. In many ways, I'm more impressed with the, the students and also the professionals that do posters because you face a lot more questions and there's an unlimited amount of time for those questions to come in uh, than if you're doing a presentation. Um, I realize I've really done a great job of selling uh, submitting posters, but uh, it's true. I think posters offer offer you a great exposure to to the conference, um, a little bit lower stress. You know, you you've got your data right there, and um, people are genuinely interested to see the the work you're doing. And uh, for anybody who is giving a poster presentation, my favorite question is. Give me the 30-second elevator speech because your poster's great, but just tell me what it is really quickly. So word of warning. 
And I, I do also want to take the opportunity to add and sort of piggyback off of Gordon real quick. Just another student opportunity that we didn't have the, um, we didn't get to mention yet is is the student awards that are out there. Uh, they're closed down for, for this year's conference, but I really encourage you all to take a look at them for next year's conference. Um, it's a really great opportunity and they all come with a stipend. So we can all use a little bit of extra cash. Um, but just to kind of run down what they are, there's the student Educational Award, the James Houston Coastal Economics uh, Scholar Award, the Nicholas Krauss Coastal Scholar Award, and the Student Coastal Advocate Award. So I really encourage you all, um, obviously for this conference, it's a little too late, but for future conferences to take advantage of those opportunities. And and, and with those awards, um, there's also the opportunity to, to have ASPPA pay for your registration to the next conference. Am I right? Or is there a different avenue for that? I think usually that is is related to volunteering, um, but you can certainly use the stipend uh, to to go towards that. Although the stipend gets you gets to you while you're at the conference um, or after, so um, it'll maybe pay for your registration for the next one. And I think you know one of the nice things about some of these awards, you know, you for some of them you you do have to do some work. You do have to uh, put in some time working with either the science and technology committee or some of the other committees that we have. But you know, I think. The nice thing about that is, is that you get exposed to people and you get exposed to the organization. And I know, you know, one of my former students who won one of those awards, Taylor Zimmerman, has been very heavily involved in the student new professionals chapter. So, you know, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving, right? You, 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 she, she won the award, but, um, you know, it drew her certainly more close to the organization. And, you know, now she's, you know, she's volunteering her time uh, with the SMP chapter. So, uh the awards are actually a, a really great um, incentive, uh, and so I would definitely encourage uh, people to apply to future uh, future years for those awards. There's also an award for the student poster competition, right? What does that come with? Yeah, absolutely. It is actually um, a, it's a framed photo of our shore and beach cover. So um, that's obviously announced at the conference. So if you are attending the conference and you have a poster, make sure to chat with people, take that opportunity to sell your poster um, because folks folks will be voting on it. Um, and also make sure to walk around and see other folks' posters as well. So we have student posters, which you could win an award for in a competition. We have student awards that are usually applied to and decided on prior to the conference, so outside of uh, conference time. Um, there is also an opportunity with this Shore and Beach magazine, but also this is the Shore and Beach publication, the official publication of ASBPA. And um, if either of you could shed some light on how students could potentially um, submit their research papers, submit their research projects if they were to um, prepare a journal publication, how they could potentially get uh, published in Shore and Beach. Certainly. So the Shore and Beach journal is a peer-reviewed journal. Um, you would submit it to the managing editor, Beth Shadone, at um, uh, mg underscore editor at asbpa.org. And she will circulate that for review by the editorial board. We will bring in special reviewers for certain elements of work that are um, specifically more technical in nature. Um, so we'll go through a peer review process and then be published um, if it passes the peer review. Um, we also have special dedicated sessions or issues uh, that will come out periodically and the, the Shore and Beach is not just for students. You will see uh, a lot of scientific papers and professors publishing in that, consultants publishing uh, their work uh, within Shore and Beach. And then there's also some uh, general articles of, of interest. Uh, we also have uh, the, the photo contest uh, goes on and is, is published within Shore and Beach. So it's really a, a, a very interesting magazine um, for both uh, a lay person to read as well as for those that um, enjoy the more technical aspects. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I know I think um, from grad school, I am a co-author on one of the papers that were published in Shorn Beach. Fancy. Um, 
really interesting. So with with a membership uh, to ASPPA, which you automatically get when you register and attend an ASPPA conference, you also get a subscription to Shoren Beach for the time that you are a member. Is that true? That is correct. If you are a student member, because you do have a reduced uh, conference attendee uh, rate, you may not necessarily get a hard copy of the Shoren Beach. However, you will have access to an electronic version of the Shoren Beach. Nobody reads the hard versions anymore. Everybody, everybody downloads the PDF, the electronic version. So as long as you're in there, you're good. Hey, I still like to highlight things. <laughs> This is true. You can't use you can't use your highlighters and colored pens on your computer screen. I've gotten quite proficient at using the highlighting tool within Adobe at this point. It's not the same. No, it's not. I, I agree one hundred percent. But it's not the same, John. You need to. <laughs> Me too. One thing about this whole uh, pandemic situation, I've been teleworking since day one, since we were all sent home. It's been 19 months now. I'm still alive. We're doing great. Uh, but I don't have access to a printer, so I have not been able to print anything out or do any of my nice highlighting. So it's a little sad. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that Marissa just, just mentioned, kind of implied was, you know, how we've all kind of been forced to be a little more resilient, uh, given all, everything that's happened over the past, call it 18 months, two years. Um, and I know that the theme of the conference this year is is go resilient. Um, spelled a little funny, but you know, hey, you may do. Uh, so I, I think that's a, a really relevant um, theme. And uh, maybe if, uh, you know, Katie, you and Gordon could just comment a bit on sort of the on added importance, perhaps that that, that term takes in light of everything, COVID, Ida, everything that's happened over the past 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you really summarized it so well. You know, the fact that, and I, I think I said it before, New Orleans itself is a, is a really resilient city. So they are bouncing back in full force in spite of the COVID numbers and in spite of a Category 4 hurricane that seemed to just sit on Southern Louisiana for hours and hours and hours. And so it really, we, I mean, I think I even had on some of our steering committee calls, we just sort of commented on the fact that we somehow managed to cho choose a really great slogan for this year's conference without even knowing it. <laughs> and the go part is if you're occasion, you, that's how you spell go. Interesting. I did not know that history or etymology. Go saints. So with that, uh, you both have attended an ASPPA conference in New Orleans previously. So what is your favorite place or your favorite part of New Orleans to, to go to when you're in the area? I really like the Jean Lafitte bar. It's at the very end of Bourbon Street. And so there aren't quite as many tourists. And it's kind of this really cool hole-in-the-wall bar um, and it's got just sort of a really relaxed vibe to it. I would go even a little further beyond that and go down to Frenchman. They have some just superb jazz in that area. And I, I don't know. I just, I have a great time when I'm there, regardless of, of where in New Orleans. And if you do get a chance to get kind of outside of, of downtown New Orleans and Obviously, with, with Hurricane Ida's impacts, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but to, to get out and, and see some of the marshes in and around New Orleans, uh, it, it really is, is stunning to, to be able to see it. Um, it's just a beautiful neck of the woods. Oh, and I'll just also add that I always have to go to the Palace Cafe and I always have to get some Bananas Foster. <laughs> I think the, the, the food in New Orleans is... Probably second to none. I, 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 every time I go, I, I don't know that I ever have a bad meal no matter where I stop, but it's certainly one of the, the, the great things about being in New Orleans. And, you know, just in terms of, of thinking about resilience, um, I don't think that you can be in a place where I guess the meaning uh, of resilience takes on, you know, greater importance. If you just walk around anywhere within the city, um, you don't have to go far to realize you know, how low lying the city is compared to everything around it. And, um, you know, certainly 
the challenges that they faced as a as a community and and the challenges that they continue to face and continue to bounce back from. So I think certainly that go resilient theme fits New Orleans to a T, and I think it's uh, extremely appropriate, kind of given where we are now. And the theme for the conference is really set up in recognizing that there is a movement towards more resilient communities, not just in New Orleans, Louisiana, the Gulf Coast, but everywhere. And so when we were looking at at resilience and how does that work into the coastal adaptation portion of of what we look at as as ASBPA, it really was a natural fit for us. And um, we're excited with the number of papers that really are taking that to heart between gray-green infrastructure uh, straight up resilience um, papers and, and the like, along with our uh, a kind of more uh, expected um, versions and, and discussions on beach nourishment. So uh, we're excited about where this conference is going. Um, we do tend to get a, a wider variety of papers uh, when we get to the Gulf Coast, um, which is always, it's always great to see and, and uh, fascinating to listen to. I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in, in my time, and again, I've been going to ASBPA conferences for going on 20 years now, um, is certainly this, um, I don't want to say move towards um, sort of expanding uh, the scope of, of what's discussed at the conference. But I know, you know, maybe maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe not quite 10 years ago, you know, walking in and seeing sort of some of the first sessions dedicated to living shorelines and and not just the the standard beach topic. So, and Gordon, you just kind of hit on this, but um, you know, is that a trend that you you've seen? Do you see it continuing as you know as we move forward? It's not only a trend that we've seen; it is a trend that we have been pushing uh, as an organization. We recognize that uh, while beaches are the original living shoreline, they're not the only living shoreline. And so as an organization, we continue to, to grow and, and look at where the industry is going and look at what the science is showing us. And so it really is an exciting time. Uh, and when you look at the, the, the depth and the variety of papers that we have, um, also coming in from new sections of the country, we, we often point out when the Hawaii chapter shows up. And again, we have, we have folks um, presenting from Hawaii. Um, the Great Lakes as well is uh, doing a lot of very interesting work with respect to, to resilience um, as well. So um, it's just a, a real breadth of, of subjects that should, should be able to pique the interest of anybody that attends. What is your favorite green infrastructure that you see could make or be the real game changer in years to come in terms of coastal resiliency? Sheesh, man, that's a that's a question, huh? Um, you know, I just I believe in you. <laughs> I can make it work. No, I you know, I just I guess I would just say that the concept of engineering with nature and natural and nature-based features are just going to become so important in the coming years. And I and I see it every day at the core. I see it in uh the authorities that that are passed um, in Congress. Um, And so I just think that uh, just in general, natural and nature-based features um, across the board, we're just really going to start seeing more and more of that um, in our project planning, especially within the core, but of course, outside of the core as well. I'll take a slightly different tact and say, what's old sometimes becomes new again. So beach nourishment really is the the first green solution that we've had. We we were looking at shorelines that eroded, seawalls were put up, uh, seawalls failed, and didn't provide the recreation and environmental habitat that was there. And so you you really have seen uh, the growth in the beach nourishment industry. Beach nourishment is not the be-all and end-all in every single scenario. And so I think that's where you see living shorelines really playing a role in more of the interior uh, sections of bays and marshes. The recognition that marshes um, provide just superb environmental benefits along with coastal restoration and and, coastal protection. And so 
I think where we're at right now is this nexus of recognition that there's not a one size fits all solution that mother nature probably knows better than any of us uh, as to how to go about designing. And so you see this engineering with nature concept really taking hold. So I I think we're going to continue to see uh, the pendulum move, but at the same time, I think we're also going to see the pendulum swing back and, and take a look at, um, at options that we already have available to us, but look at them in a new way and how those, those solutions can be applied to uh, the challenges that face us in the future. Thank you both so much for that insight, those hopeful words, words of hope and wisdom. And, and just the hope for what is to come and what is yet to come and being resilient in the face of such environmental uncertainty moving forward for sure it's very important for us to not lose that glass half full mindset Uh, and i appreciate both of your input there so one of the things i wanted to give you both an opportunity i know you know, there, there may still be some people out there that are struggling with the idea of, do I attend the conference in person? Do I attend hybrid? I, I, I mean, obviously, attend. However you can attend, let's let's get it done. Let's, let's participate. It's going to be valuable. It's going to be worth your time. But, uh, you know, certainly, I think there is something about the, the in-person experience. So uh, maybe just in a, a couple sentences, you know, if you could just kind of sum up you know, really, what is the reason if you're on the fence at this point to to actually attend the conference in person? I think the the reason to attend in person is the people. Uh, it's ASBPA is a community. We get to know each other well, uh, and we're also looking for new blood, new interests, new people, um, students. Um, Folks that have been to many other conferences might be approaching our conference with a with a different mindset, different perspective. There's always something to learn. And I think learning is often easiest in a face-to-face environment. And on top of that, it's the personal relationships that you meet, uh, that you make at a conference. Uh, to me, are, are what really you remember at the end of a conference. There, there might be one or two or three just outstanding presentations, the, the, the technical aspect or the thought process from that uh, presentation is something that you can readily apply to something you're currently working on. That might be the case, but very often what you'll remember are the people that you've met, the conversations that you've had, the ideas that you generate while in a conversation. Um, that I find is sometimes difficult to to get in a in a virtual setting, and so that's why I would encourage people to to come and, and uh, participate in in person. Um, we obviously have to be very sensitive of of COVID, uh, but we've also set the conference up um, so that we can minimize the risk and uh, hopefully have a, a safe and enlightening conference. I would just, I would agree with all of that and just add that New Orleans is a really great city to explore. Um, and it's, it's a really easy city to explore. So it's a great draw. And they, like I said before, they, they know they're, they thrive off of tourism. So they know how to, how to treat their visitors right. Oh, catch me. I'll, I'll, I'll go visit NOLA when I have the opportunity next. I'm disappointed that I'll miss it this year, but I do hope that everything goes well. Knock on wood, all things um, technology-wise go well for the hybrid environment for sure, um, that everybody stays safe uh, before, during, and after the event. Now, I do have one final question for both of you that I like to ask our guests towards the end for each of our episodes. And So you guys um, have already given so much wisdom, advice, guidance to uh, everybody, to new professionals, uh, to students especially, uh, for uh, conference goers in general. But um, from a more high-level view, what advice would you give 
a student or a young professional who is interested in pursuing a career or a position similar to yours? You know, that's a really great question. And I think I would have to go back to uh, don't be afraid to walk up to people and start talking to them and building those relationships. Um, you know, science is important in what I do, absolutely. Uh, but at this point in my career as the program manager for the Regional Sediment Management Program, a lot of what I do is based in relationships that I've built over the years. Um, and and sure, there's a lot of technical work that, that goes into that, um, a, a lot of um, basic understanding of coastal geology and engineering, um, but a lot of what has gotten me to this point is related to relationships that I've started and built on and just continue to foster throughout my career. I would go with what I tell my kids never stop learning. You're never going to stop learning and find something that you enjoy. If, you know, if you don't like that class, then that's fine. Grin and bear it for a little bit, but at least you know what you like. And so if you, if you're doing something you like, I mean, this goes for any field. If you do what you like, you, but you need to continue learning. Um, keep asking questions, See what other people are doing and how they're doing it. Um, there are a lot of people, a lot of great ideas. And that's, again, where conferences come in handy um, in, in seeing how, how different people uh, approach different challenges. So for me, that's, that's the biggest thing is there's always something that you can learn um, and uh, make, sure, make sure you enjoy doing it snaps to that thank you both so much um just to like sum it up be bold be brave be curious for all of you guys out there never forget that well thank you both so much for your time your your insight your guidance your wisdom into all things coastal especially all things ASBPA related and with the national coastal conference coming up again that will be taking place in new orleans louisiana from september 27th through october 1st for all those listeners if you haven't yet registered for the conference you can do so by heading over to asbpa.org for registration and program information and if you are a speaker and you haven't already registered, you do have until September 15th to register, which is also the date that this episode was released. So if you're listening to it now and you're a speaker, I'd suggest going and registering. But in general, if you are interested in learning more about ASPPA, its regional chapters, its committees, past conferences, or how to get involved, again, go to ASBPA.org to learn more. Thank you both so much, Katie and Gordon, for being here with us. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Yes, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you both.